Welcome back to the show. My name is Michael Lynn, and this is the MongoDB Podcast. On today's episode, we meet Kenny Gorman, an industry visionary with decades of experience across various platforms and roles. From CEO to DBA, Kenny has played key roles in scaling major companies like PayPal and eBay, while also managing one of the world's busiest Postgres installations at HI5. His early adoption of MongoDB for large-scale projects at Shutterfly showcased his passion for stream processing. As a co-founder of Object Rocket and Aventador, Kenny's entrepreneurial spirit led to successful exits, driving innovation in handling high-velocity data. Now, as head of streaming products at MongoDB, he focuses on empowering low-latency applications that aggregate, mutate, filter, and join data in real-time. In today's rapidly evolving digital landscape, the ability to harness high-velocity data is absolutely vital for companies seeking a competitive edge. Kenny's experience and dedication make him a trailblazer in the intelligent data movement. With his unwavering commitment, Kenny inspires organizations to embrace data in motion and pave their path to data-driven success in this digital age. Stay tuned. Kenny, welcome to the show. It's great to have you on the podcast. Thanks, Michael. I'm glad to be here. So that's quite an impressive background, Kenny. It's a, it's a mouthful, right? <laughs> it really is. And I understand, so you're focused on data for most of yep. your career. But yep. but talk about that transition from founding two companies and following those through exits to, to MongoDB. What was that like? Yeah, I mean, you know, so my background was in data, databases, uh, mostly like on a DBA focus, like Oracle databases. And this is kind of during the startup era of the 2000s where things were kind of going crazy. And uh, we had a project uh, later in that decade, about 2009, where we were working with um, XML data and we were trying to make this application at Shutterfly work better. And we ended up uh, choosing MongoDB. And it was so early on, it was a really risky choice. It was 1.0, MongoDB 1.0. And uh, we ended up using it and uh, it worked really well uh, for that use case, a very specific use case. And, uh, you know, MongoDB, you know, I did a couple talks about it and the things you can look up, look them up online. But, you know, it's interesting. We, um, during that process, we figured out that like with a single writer lock way back then with MongoDB, uh, MongoDB would go really fast on SSD. And this was when SSDs were still pretty new. Amazon hadn't come out with them yet. And so we started building this appliance, this Mongo database appliance that would make MongoDB just go super fast. And it worked. And so we ultimately formed a company around it called Object Rocket and um, ultimately sold that to to um, Rackspace, uh, you know, they had, a, they had their own data centers at the time. So it made tons of sense. We were, we were buying, uh, we couldn't get our hands on enough SSD. So we were, we were buying them out of a Chinese soup kitchen in Silicon Valley, like, and then assembling them into, in, like they were selling them out the back door. It was the craziest thing. I'm, I, I don't know. It was pretty nefarious, but they were a good price. And uh, we were assembling them into these, these uh, chassis and like racking them ourselves. And it was crazy. Um, but it was awesome. And, and Ma, you know, it really was like kind of the foundation after that Amazon came out with SSDs and the whole thing kind of grew. Um, and, you know, of course, Mongo matured and became, became the great database that it is today over time. But yeah, the early days are super fun. Yeah. Yeah. That transition from, from a file level to, uh, to the new storage engine, uh, yeah, quite, a, quite a shift. Big deal. Yeah, exactly. We're going to yep. focus on streaming today and the importance of data in motion. Talk a little yeah. bit about streaming data. Yeah, so you know it's interesting. Um, uh, one of my co-founders, Eric Beebe, and myself were working um, on some problems for customers on on Object Rocket in Mongo, and they began to say that they were thinking about churning. They were they were going to go do something else, 
And we kept digging in and asking them why. And these were big. This one of the sites was like a big dating site where you swipe left or right or whatever it is. Uh, you might know their name um, anyway. And they were they were talking about trying to to move to a different platform because they wanted to do uh, use cases that where you would detect like instantly, almost instantly, if someone was swiping if they're based on a geolocation near you. And we thought that was super cool. And they were going to use Kafka, this 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 newfangled thing called Apache Kafka. And uh, we dug into it a little bit because we thought maybe we should offer it. And we ended up doing something different. We totally quit our jobs and started a whole new company around, around Kafka. <laughs> That's how excited we were. So um, we formed Aventador in, I think that was 2016. Um, and the idea, it was really early on in this idea. You know, Kafka had been out for a couple of years. Um, but it was pretty clear that data in motion and data at rest, especially when you're using them together, were super powerful. And that was kind of just our kind of our vague prep you know, vague idea. Um, we, we built a managed service around Kafka because that's kind of what we knew how to do at that, at that time, ended up using Apache Flink, um, and building a kind of a, a full service around it. Um, ultimately writing software called SQL stream builder that ran on Flink and allowed you to run queries in real time in SQL. And boy, did we learn a lot about SQL and about flexible document structures and, and, you know, all, all that kind of stuff during that process. So, um, it was a big eye-opening, big eye-opening thing for us. We ultimately ended up selling that company to Cloudera, um, scaled it quite quite a bit, did a couple of rounds of funding, did the whole thing, and then ended up selling it to Cloudera. Uh, but what a ride! What a really good learning experience. Like if if there's one thing I can look back on that and just say like, the folks that started and built and scaled that system, we all learned a ton about being in the trenches on streaming systems and data in motion. What it really meant to be good at stream processing and, and streaming data because of the pain. I mean, we went through, the, we dragged ourselves through the pain of, of all of it. Um, and then, and then, and now we're here focused on, on streaming data here at MongoDB. Yeah. I'd like you to talk to the folks that, that don't understand streaming data yet. What's the key difference between really fast databases and streaming data? Right. Right. Oh yeah. It's a good point. Like, so there's different categories, right? There's like this, you know, operational database we've had for many, many years, you know, Oracle or Mongo or Postgres or something. Um, and that's a very well-known paradigm, right? Like there's a query engine, you run a query, it runs, it finishes. Um, you know, presumably at some, there's a query plan at some point, presumably there's a cursor that's returned. You iterate the cursor and you're calling application via some, maybe some driver, um, returns the application, returns the data to your application. So like, I don't know, the last sales for the last day, boom, you have a, you know, a table of results. So that's like the, the, the resulting or the, the paradigm that we've been doing for, for a long time. Streaming data is interesting because streaming data is just a distributed log. Like at the end of the day, it's kind of like, if you want to think of it like a mental model, if you're used to databases, it's like the recovery log for a database. It's just an append only structure uh, that you can write data to in a somewhat atomic fashion. Um, Kafka has drive, a huge driver, driver ecosystem for, for writing and reading data from this, um, from it. And uh, it's kind of that simple, frankly. And the reason it's simple is because it works at very, very high velocity. So like orders of magnitudes faster than a general database would work. And so you can, you can, you know, use it for these use cases where um, latency matters and where there's a ton of data, like this fire hose of data. And it works quite well for, for capturing and, and, and storing that kind of event data. Um, the hard part has always been like, well, how do you look at it? What do you do with it? Like, how do you consume it in some reasonable way for an application? And that's where you see this kind of new breed, this third kind of tier of stream processing systems come up, you know, processing the data, making sense of it, aggregating it, filtering it, 
and then like presenting it in some way. And I think that presentation layer is the thing that's kind of the, the newest piece of it. You see um, companies like Materialize or like, you know, Confluent mm -hmm. has products in the market that allow you to then look at the stream of data and say like, okay, I want to materialize it for some app or I want to put it in a database or whatever that might be. Um, so that's been kind of the latest, you know, the piece of the puzzle that, that, that everybody's been working on. What are some of the key challenges that folks implementing streaming data have run into? Yeah, like, so one of the things, I, so one of the things I missed in that last piece was that, you know, I, you know how I said in the database, you have this, you have the query and the, the query finishes. In a streaming system, you run a query, it never finishes. It's a continuous query. It's a continuous paradigm. And so to your point, like, that's what's hard about it is everything is running in continuity. There's no like batch cycle where it's over and then maybe you reconstruct the query differently and rerun it. This is like a constantly running, constantly looking at this, you know, boundless immutable stream of events and then doing something with it. And so it's kind of inherently more complex in that, in that regard. And I think it's also more op opaque in that regard. Um, also, I think, you know, with a database, the, the systems from a development life cycle, from a code quality life cycle perspective, from a, a developer and engineering perspective, it's so much, you know, more well-known. You know, we know how to create schemas. We know how to validate. Schemas. We know, we know, everybody knows what a primary key is, these types of things. In a streaming system, things like schema are still very nebulous and very tough to deal with. Uh, there's many use cases. I was talking, you know, I was telling you, we got drug through the pain where folks will put data in, in what's called a topic in Kafka, which is like a collection, if you will, in Mongo. Um, and it'll be of, of many different types. Uh, for instance, we had a financial institution that would write events to a Kafka topic and they didn't, they didn't own the source of events. It was kind of like a sensor. Think of it this way. It was like a financial sensor. And so the, the structure of the event itself, the, the, the single event that was written into the distributed log was, was different in many cases. And so the thing consuming this fire hose of data had to understand this different structure. It had to know how to group by nested keys or have conditional logic for when keys are missing or different data types, things like that. And um, it was very challenging. It's a very challenging to not only make the stream work without crashing the system, um, especially with strongly typed systems like Java, but also how do you present a paradigm to the user like SQL where you're supposed to be you know, representing this as columns and rows. So that was a very, very challenging um, challenging time. And, and it, ma it makes it really tough for developers. You end up having to say, um, thou shall only put clean data into Kafka so I can query it at the other side. And and that's a tough that's a tough value prop for a lot of folks. Where does MongoDB fit in this? <laughs> right, like that's sort of the big question. Well, it, it, it's, it's interesting. You know, the, the, the idea that there's different types of data is kind of silly. Like as a developer, I, I don't want to have to care about the the, the specifics the implementation of time in these in this in, in this information. I just want the information, right? I don't necessarily need to know that it came from a Kafka distributed log or or what or or, or Mongo or whatever else. I kind of just want to get to the data and and build the thing my boss has basically asked me to do, right? Like write this app that does this thing, and the nature of the data is different between, you know, relational databases and data warehouses and streaming systems and, and file systems like I don't know, S3, S3 or something. Um, there's lots of different sources of data that are, that are important these days. Um, MongoDB has been, been doing, it's a little, I mean, I don't know if everybody knows this, but like MongoDB has been doing streaming data for a really long time with the Kafka connector. So, you know, we have thousands of customers on, customers on Atlas using it today. 
So it's not a new thing for us. Um, the connector is very robust. It's an open source connector. It runs on the K-Connect framework from Confluent. Um, uh, it, you know, it's very robust. We have many customers using it. And, um, and the, the whole reason for this is that you really do need to use uh, a database and a distributed log or something like Mongo and Kafka together. They work great together. They're important. We have a ton of joint customers. Um, and that's very, we're, we're more successful with the unison of these two types of data, if you want to call it that, than we are without them. And I think that's really where our heads are focused is customers are coming to us saying, hey, can you make these use cases better? Kind of like the use case I talked about so many years ago. Um, you know, can you make them more seamless? Can you can you help us with tooling? Can you help us with functionality? Um, and the answer is yes, we can. And um, that's kind of where our heads are at. It's like, how do we make how do we make that most delightful experience for our customers? How do we integrate in a smart way um, streaming data into this you know beautiful ecosystem that MongoDB has turned into over the last you know decade or so? What are some of the use cases that you find where customers are looking for this type of solution? Right. Well, there's two, I'll start with patterns. I think it's kind of interesting. There's, there's, there's sort of two, there's many, but there's two really, really popular patterns. Um, and then I, we can talk about the specifics, but like the two most popular patterns are, I'll call it taming the fire hose. So this is more like a more traditional ETL or ELT type thing where you have some sort of influx of data, crazy influx of data, and um, you need to like distill it down to the whatever detail there is. So maybe it's credit card transactions coming in and there's, you know, of course, millions of them. And then you're looking for fraud or something like that, or you're keeping, you know, a ledger of them or whatever that might be. So like, so like that is, that's a, that's a huge use case, just taking data, aggregating it by some reasonable key and then presenting it to application. Most of the time, you know, a user won't tolerate like if you were used, let's say you were a banking institution, you were had an application that you wrote for your customer to alert them of various things about their account. If you if you couldn't distill that in and aggregate that, then they would get an alert like every time they did something, and that would be annoying. So you have to have this kind of processor in the middle. So Taming the Firehose does that great. Things like feeding graphs and charts and ML models and all, all that stuff, like that works really great for that. Um, next pattern is kind of this needle in the haystack thing. So you might take a million events in per second. I talked about fraud processing, like maybe just one of those events or maybe none of those events are actually the thing you're looking for. Like if, if you're successful, like it never triggers, it never does anything. It's just a bunch of data that comes through. You're never really emitting anything because it's all matching some condition. So this needle in the haystack is things like intrusion detection systems or fraud processing or uh, looking for telemetry errors, like in uh, connected cars, things like that. Um, so, you know, like maybe I get an alert from my um, electric vehicle that there's a range alert or something like that. And if you never trigger it, cool. But it's always monitoring. It's always taking that stream of data in, looking for that event. Um, and I guess lastly, there's, th so those are two. The third one is, I said there was two, I guess there's three, uh, is this idea that Mongo's a source. And I think that's that's a, a little bit more of a new one. I think a lot of people assume that like, okay, I'm going to shove high velocity data into Kafka and then I'm going to consume it into Mongo. But the other way is true as well, which is uh, I've got an application that's very busy and it's writing data in some way to something like MongoDB and I want to capture those events and I want to send them to some other system. And maybe that's like a customer 360 view internally. Maybe I want to trigger events when something happens. Um, and, and oftentimes that, that data ends up in Kafka as well via the connector. So it's a bi-directional type of thing. Um, and so those are, the, those are the three kind of high level patterns I mentioned fraud detection. I mentioned kind of connected car, like IoT. 
Uh, we see like the power grid use cases, this kind of uh, uh, next generation of energy management stuff uh, and sensor networks being very popular. Um, uh, things like, uh, you know, click through, clickstream analysis, all that stuff that's kind of been traditionally around for a while, marketing uh, information like that. That's a big one. Um, yeah, like even stuff like manufacturing, where you're looking on the manufacturing line for maybe uh, fraud or abuse or waste, uh, these types of use cases where big dollars are on the line if something fails and you want to know about it right away so you can take action. So like if that manufacturing line is starting to produce bad parts, don't let it do that for two hours while your batch runs again, stop it right away. And so like stream processing is great for that. So performance is obviously key. Uh, what yeah. are some of the other considerations that folks need to think about when they're designing applications that, that are going to rely on streaming data? Right. Good question. So there's a number of things to think about. Um, you know, I think when developers are writing database applications, you know, it's pretty well known. Like if, if you're used to, you know, consistency guarantees, you're, you're, you're used to being able to insert data and, and do whatever, and then say, you know, commit, and you know that it's committed. Like, you know, transactionally speaking, databases are pretty well known and it's, it's comfortable. Um, when you get into streaming systems, uh, they do have consistency guarantees that roughly match those things. But again, it's a stream of data. And so, you know, the data is not, uh, you know, returned in a set, in a batch. So that's, that's one obvious difference. But also just being able to make sense of so many events and, and how do I aggregate them? How do I filter them? How to make sense of them? Um, and how do I like materialize some view of data that's going to make sense to my application? I think lots of times, um, you know, folks talk about, oh, streaming data is the future and it's so important. But I think what they forget is that like, it's really hard for humans to ingest streaming data. Like it's very tough for applications and people to make sense of data at such a high velocity. It's important. You don't want to lose the resolution. You don't want to, you know, miss, you know, so many data points in an average or a standard deviation or something like this. They're, it's very important. But ultimately the the what you're spitting out to the to the business user or to the application or to some ML model or, or whatever it might be has to make sense in some compact and reasonable way. Maybe you're grouping by days or hours or something to do with time bounds or Maybe you're filtering beforehand or whatever, but the real trick there is like, how do I tame this, this giant fire hose of data into something and distill it down into something that's meaningful to your application and to your, the user? And how do you do it in a low latency way? I think that's the big trick here. That's the thing that ultimately streaming data is, is doing for us. And I think that's the, the mental model shift that has to happen in developers um, to make that happen. What are some best practices that developers should start to think about, you know, as it relates to the data in the database and, and leveraging streaming? Yeah. Yeah. So it's an interesting one. I, you know, I think that, you know, event-driven applications and event-driven organizations and, and these kinds of things are, are driving the need for these applications. They're driving it through wanting to compete or delight in their marketplaces. They're wanting to make cooler apps that people are excited to use. They're wanting to bring the data to their customers in a more timely way. Um, and those require lots of components and, and traditionally lots of complexity um, to marry this kind of streaming paradigm and, and the data at rest paradigm in order to, in order to make, make it all work. And, you know, we've been at MongoDB, we've been building applications, developers have been building applications for a long time. And there's a, there's a well-known set of best practices around that. And the Kafka connector and, and streaming data doesn't, massively change that in our Atlas ecosystem. 
you know, you, you can wire up a connector and, and start pulling events. You can index them very quickly. You can use them in your reports or in, in you know, in your applications, things like this very easily. Um, it all works quite nice. So uh, yeah, dig in and, you know, my advice would be to dig in and learn a little bit about Kafka and, and how it can connect to Mongo and how you can use those two things together. Uh, it's quite nice. Yeah. So you're obviously focusing on data in motion, streaming data at MongoDB. Can you talk a little bit about the roadmap for MongoDB in terms of expanding its capabilities in this space? Yeah, I mean, there's some things I can't talk about quite yet, but uh, you know, we have a we have a long roadmap of ideas. I think you know it all stems from you know advocating for our customers from a product perspective. Um, we want to build great products, and we want to delight our customers, and, and we want to make developers. Um, uh, uh, productive and, you know, and make them, give them an easy life, let them build nice applications and not have to stress about stuff. So um, in doing so, like streaming data is a big part of that. I mentioned that, you know, we have a ton of customers using the Kafka connector to build applications and pull data in to, to fuel those applications. Um, our roadmap is to try and make um, that functionality even better. And over time, we, we plan to ex expand those capabilities and offer new features and, and just make it easier and um, and just have things be more handy and accessible to customers. So I think it's really focused on, you know, we're MongoDB Atlas is the developer data platform. We want to make those developers um, successful and streaming data is a big part of that these days. Well, that's some exciting stuff. And uh, I'm curious, are there resources or learning materials where we should be sending folks? Sure, sure. Yeah, the best place is to go to the docs, MongoDB docs, and click on Kafka, Kafka Connect. That's going to give all the information around the connector and how it works, all the details. Um, that's, yeah, that's the best place to get started. Okay. We'll uh, include links in the show notes. So if you're listening, you want to learn more, make sure you check the show notes. There'll be some links there for you. And also understand you're speaking next week at Dot .local New York City. Yeah. Yeah. We'll be, we'll, we'll be doing a session on this. Um, we'll dive into the, into the gory details and, and talk specifics. I think developers will leave you know, knowing way more about how to use MongoDB and and kafka together so that's the real focus um so yeah come check it out if you're at the conference come check it out i'd love to come say hi and tell me that you heard me on the podcast or whatever and love to chat this is being recorded on june 14th of 2023 if you're listening to this and it's timely check out uh, dot local new york city there's a coupon code that you can use for 50 percent off of the tickets you can use podcast 50 that's podcast five zero to get a nice discount on tickets to the show. It's gonna be a lot of stuff happening. We're gonna be live doing interviews throughout the day. I understand you're gonna be sitting down for a, for another short interview dur during the day. So look forward to seeing you there. You're awesome, great, appreciate it. Kenny, thanks so much for joining me today. Michael was awesome, appreciate it. Thanks so much to Kenny Gorman for joining me today and thanks to you, the listeners. Make sure you check the show notes for links to all the resources and information we talked about today. I look forward to seeing you at Dot .local New York City June 22nd, Wednesday. You can use the code PODCAST50 for a 50% discount on your tickets. Hope to see you there.